0: Either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie.
1: It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry?
0: (laughs) You waste all the film.
1: It's so bad.
0: Another very busy week. We've got movies coming out in the theaters. We've got movies on VOD, a little bit of both, mix and match, and we'll cover them all. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from madwolf.com. We will start out with a new horror movie. We love that. Successful author Veronica Henley finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind bending mystery before it's too late. It's antebellum.
1: Wherever you were before, that's over.
2: You are my only way out of here. I must choose. I've wisely.
0: Now, this is one that I believe is getting a release in some theaters. Right, yeah. But it's also a day-and-date release on VOD, mm-hmm. so you can catch it uh, different ways. And it's one that certainly has its share of missteps, but in the end, I think for us, the payoff really made this one worth it.
3: Yeah. It's Janelle Monet who, she was so magnificent in Moonlight so great, and and but since then, I have felt too often like she's posing in films, and, mm. and not so much in this one. Especially in Act One and Act Three, she's really concentrated on the way this character would in fact behave in the situation, which I thought was it was a more convincing, I think, performance than I've seen from her in a while. Yeah, this
0: is writers and directors Gerard Bush and Christopher Wrenz, and it re- reminded me of in the last few years, the last few projects we've seen. Spike Lee does such a great job in connecting racism of the past to oppression of the present yeah. and connecting so gracefully yes. with, with nuance. This one does it with a punch in the face.
3: Right. There's not so much grace this and not is so much blunt, nuance.
0: a blunt instrument as this, uh, she's a doctor, she's an author, she's an, uh, an activist, mm-hmm. and uh, she, in, in present day, mm-hmm. and she wakes up a slave at a plantation. And then she has to figure out how can she get out of here and and hatch a plan and try to stay alive long enough to do that as we try to figure out what is going on. And right. it becomes really a, a horrifying Twilight Zone episode.
3: Right, because it is a horror film. I mean, it's not, you know, it's pulpy and it's violent uh, and it's not really looking to be nuanced no. um, and one of the things that I think horror when horror is great what it really does well is tread on social anxieties and man this does that you know because that's the thing it is a nightmare it is a nightmare that I don't doubt many black Americans are having right now as you look at what's going on in this country you think how close are we to this happening again and and I think that um, not only does the film deliver that message but like but like you said the the catharsis at the end Chef's yeah. kiss.
0: Uh, some of the writing here it does it it suffers from obviousness and and speechifying, but it's one where we can't say too much because no. we don't want to even get close to giving anything away. But but it does overcome that and and the the middle third I would say where there's some some events uh, with uh, the main characters, two friends out yeah. of the town of New right, York City. Right.
3: The as present you, day material as you said
0: that goes on a little too long. Doesn't say a whole lot, but boy, that final third. Yeah. The comeuppance, yeah, uh, that that's worth the price of admission. Yes, it is. So, as we said, it certainly brings up some very relevant issues and reminds you that those issues are still of issues of the past are still very relevant today. It's just the way it does it is not as graceful as we've seen uh, in the past. But boy, it comes at you guns blazing, and and, and by the end, like I said, I, like we both said, it's uh, it ended up being worthwhile. Oh, yeah. for us, and uh, and we enjoyed Antebellum again it's streaming, and also in some parts of the country has some. Some theatrical releases. And the next one is a drama just opening in theaters this weekend. Life for an entrepreneur and his American family begin to take a twisted turn after moving into an English country manor. It's called The Nest. There's
2: an opportunity. Where? London. This would be our fourth move in 10 turn years. backwards. But money's fine, right? Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. This is a fresh start.
2: Something doesn't feel right. I saw some deposits you made. It's nowhere near what you're spending.
1: Don't worry. I have a huge check coming in at the end of the month. (laughs) Everything's going to be fine. Is it?
2: You're delusional because you have nothing, Rory. We have nothing. What is happening? You are all strangers to me right now, all of you.
1: You're embarrassing
2: And you're exhausting.
3: So if you have been waiting breathlessly for writer director Sean Durkin of Martha Marcy May Marlene to come back with another film as we have it's been here nine, it is. 9 years. Oh my god. Now he's been
0: involved in a lot of films. A he's lot, done a yeah. lot of producing. But this is his first since then as a writer-director, and we love that movie. Martha, Marcy, and, May, Marlene yeah. love it so much. And, and much the same way of that of that film, this one focuses on a family coming apart. But in this one, it's a nuclear family, and it's not as as sinister sure. a, as Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene was. But the, the acting is just fantastic. Uh, the leads are Jude Law and Carrie Coon, and Jude, Jude Law uh, springs on his family. They also have two teenage uh, kids, a daughter and a son. And he springs on them all that it's time for them to move to back to his native London. He's a big hotshot commodities broker, and his business here in the states is drying up, but London is booming. So off they go. And she, the wife, is not wild about it because they've moved. She says four times this will be four times in ten years. But uh, once they get there, he has arranged for this incredible manor, this uh, Elizabethan estate. It's it's insane. And once they get in there, the hugeness of this place for the four of them just envelops them Mm -hmm. and Durkin does a great job showing that visually you never get real close-ups you always everything is always swallowed by the distance between these people right and the the dialogue the script backs it up and you just watch them this family just deconstruct before your eyes and again the acting is great. Uh, Jude Law brings the the outward charm, but he still shows the cracks in this guy, uh, how much that he's pretending and the facade he's putting up. But Carrie Coon, I'll tell you, how she shows her character finally coming around to just what kind of man this is, and then how she decides to handle that is just beautiful. And I hope this makes her more of a of a name for people Sure. Because she's been great for years, mm-hmm. just I don't think people are that familiar with right. her. But she played the sister in Gone Girl. Right. That might be her, so good. her most she was so good. showy role up to this point. But boy, she's fantastic. And even though it sounds uncomfortable, because why would I want to watch a family come apart? It's, it's, it is it's, uncomfortable. It's, yes, it is. But, but in it's the best riveting way. And it's hard to look away from. And in the end, it actually finds a, a layer of, of dark humor and maybe even a little hope about how they are going to finally maybe deal honestly with each other. Mm. And uh, and we thought it was just really riveting to watch. And another great effort from Sean Durkin. And maybe he cannot wait another nine years right. Please before don't. doing a movie. So we like The Nest. Back to horror next. That's a good thing. A recently widowed traveler is kidnapped by a cold-blooded killer only to escape into the wilderness where she is forced to battle against the elements as her pursuer closes in on her. It's called Alone. 911, what's your emergency?
2: I think I'm being followed.
1: I know you're close. Are you scared?
0: Please, let me go. Do you think you're the first one to say that? So this is one of the bargain rentals on VOD, but also, this is very cool, it's getting some drive-in releases this weekend. Yeah, this would be a
3: fun one to watch at the drive-in. This has got drive-in written all over it. And the thing is, I mean, as you can tell from the synopsis, it's a pretty common premise you know I mean people have been making this movie for decades Mm -hmm. which is to say you know because it's a creepy experience to be driving by yourself across country you know it's so easy to get lost you can you know it's the road can be dangerous you can get sleepy there's the woods there's you know and so the movie plays on that in the in the way that so many others have but what it has going for it are the two, because there's really only two. I mean, there's a total of three, basically
0: performances. And one of them we have to say yes. is the guy that played Doctor Chilton yes. in Silence of the Lambs. I know, I was so happy to see him. And Anthony he's a, Anthony held. Yeah, yeah.
3: and it, and he's and it's funny. It's a, it's a great casting because by the time that character shows up, you're looking at this person going, good guy, bad guy. <laughs> Good guy, bad guy, you know, and so that makes it perfect. Had it been somebody else, maybe you would have just thought, oh, thank goodness, but it's him. And you're like, I don't know if this is good or not. Jules Wilcox plays the woman who is driving across country. You know, it's sometimes a frustrating performance, but really it should be, right? Because because you would be nervous, but overly polite, but you know what I mean? So she makes him... Questionable decisions, but I, I, I'm sorry. So would you? So would I, right? Mm-hmm. You just do. And uh, and the character arc is a strong one. She, you know, then she finds some real grit, and it's it's a very realistic performance. But the crumb, de la crumb, in this movie is Mark Menchaca, who plays and his mustache. Oh my God, that mustache! <laughs> you know, and, and he plays the uh, the villain. You know, and he has knocked around for years and years and years. He's done a ton of TV work. He's he just a, a you know a working actor, character actor, and the hateful chemistry between these two is really, really well articulated. And he's such a weirdo and (laughs) also such an ordinary man, Uh which is it's a perfect combination. I mean, he balances a lot of elements to make this, you know, not overwritten by any means character come to life in a creepy, creepy, unbelievable way.
0: Yeah, the writer Matthias Olsen, the director John Hyams, and this one definitely, if you can catch this at a drive-in. Creepier. It'll be creepier. Especially as it is around here this weekend, part of a horror double feature drive-in. Yeah,
3: it's oh, just yeah. getting to be fall. Oh, it's yeah. perfect.
0: Hit that up, and that is Alone. <sniffs> hey, look at this. Another horror flick far into the mountains in a community led by a preacher named El Senor. A new child who is supposed to be the new messiah is brought, and with him, destruction and redemption. This is called Lou's Flower of Evil.
1: <laughs>
0: this is from writer-director with a great name. You ready? Juan Diego Escobar Elzate. <laughs> and this is a bargain. One of the bargain-priced uh, VOD releases this weekend.
3: I recommend it. So it's a Colombian film, and it has a folklore feel about it that's really sort of intoxicating. And it is it is beautifully highlighted by this cinematography. Oh, my God. It's absolutely gorgeous. These vast skies and all of these stars and the way that they use color in this movie is glorious. And it's a creepy story, as a lot of times those sort of, you know, little religious cult set back in the woods are. It's it's very authentic in the way it unfolds. It doesn't explain any of the beliefs to you. You just figure them out as you go along. You don't hate anybody. You don't like anybody. The, there's a moral ambiguity to it that's really very
0: provocative. I, I thought it was great. And it's interesting. Just in the last, I think, year, last year, we had another movie that we liked called Lose.
3: Yes, it's true. Because it's Spanish word for light.
0: All right. And this one uh, is worth checking out as well. Got another one opening in theaters this weekend. In post-World War II America, a woman rebuilding her life in the suburbs with her husband kidnaps her neighbor and seeks vengeance for the heinous war crimes she believes he committed against her and her family. It's called The Secrets We Keep.
2: I always told you that my family wasn't in the war. It's not true.
3: What are you talking about?
2: We were sleeping when some German soldiers found us. They... Did horrible things to, to the women. Worse than you can imagine.
1: What's the likelihood that a guy that attacked you halfway around the world, 15 years ago, he ends up two blocks away?
2: Lewis, he's in the trunk of our car. I want him to confess.
1: We're going to get caught.
2: Why are you taking care of him? his wife must know something I'm not the man you think I am no more lies we have to put an end to this there's so much that I don't know about Thomas
3: well you just start with this cast this is an incredible cast
0: well it's led by Numi Rapace and if you remember, she was the original girl with the dragon tattoo. Yes, I do. The foreign language film. And if you remember that movie, you know that you don't want to get on the wrong side of a score to settle with her. <laughs> she's little, she... but she can get it done. And uh, it's she's got a score to settle here in a completely different way. She has. Uh, she is a. She's living in in suburbia in post-war suburbia, late 1950s. But she's Romanian-born, and all of a sudden her world is shaken because she one afternoon she notices this man that she is convinced committed these war crimes against mm-hmm. her and her family uh, during the war, a Nazi, and uh, she kidnaps him and takes him to her basement, and has to explain to her husband, played by Chris Messina, what is going on, because she has never spoken of these incidents. And so then it becomes trying to get a confession out of him, or, or does she want to kill him first, or does she want to get a confession out of him, and is he really the man? Because he claims, no, he's, he's a Swiss. He's a Swiss descent, and he's just an immigrant. He has nothing to do with, with that at all. And he's played by Joel Kinneman. Joel Kinneman, yeah, plays the captive. So right away, yeah, you're thinking Death and the Maiden, of course. Even, even a little bit of a movie that we love called Big Bad Wolves. Right. And I think the writer, the co-writer and director here, Yuval Adler, knows that and tries to branch out in different ways. Not entirely successful. Once things move out of the basement, the interrogation, and then they move out of the basement, you find some... Matters that are a little bit contrived for tension, and then when Numi Rapace's character strikes up an intentional friendship with her captive's wife, wife and children. The street, yeah, duh, I know what he's hes trying to move this cloud of secrets over the entirety of suburbia and Americana, sure, pick sure. a fence Americana, and it doesn't quite work. And then toward the end, again, without saying too much, I think even though Christmas Cena is good as well, all these three performances are good. Yeah, very. The, the husband character becomes a little bit problematic, and and all I want to say about that is the fact that it, it doesn't always let the story involve Maya, Numi Rapace's character, and, and let her own it on her own terms. Right. I guess that, that's all I can say. But there there are moments that are very effective, and this is out, again, this is out in theaters this weekend, and the three, three main performances are great, and I, th- I think even if you've seen, say, Death and the Maiden or Big Bad Wolves, it does add a little bit of a twist to the uh, premise that might be familiar to you, and that is The Secrets We Keep. Look at this, another horror movie. Must be Pumpkin Spice in the Tis air. the season. A same-sex couple move to a small town so they can enjoy a better quality of life and raise their 16-year-old daughter with the best social values, but nothing is as it seems. It's called Spiral.
1: There's something not right about this place.
0: What are you talking about?
1: There was a couple that were killed ten years ago. They knew and they didn't say anything. You need to stop thinking that everyone's trying to get you all the time. Marshall and Tiffany are good people. Well, to new neighbors. New neighbors. We've been chosen. Chosen for what? Some kind of ritual. Every ten years they make a selection. Do you see that? We're the selection.
3: This one's on Shutter, and like the last couple that we talked about, it's a familiar premise that they take in interesting directions. Now, in this case, it's very intentionally a familiar premise. Mm -hmm. You move into the new house. I mean, how many horror films start with that? You're moving into your dream house, but it turns out not to be a dream house. You know, you're watching the neighbors, and you're thinking, how weird are they? What's going on here? So... Director Curtis David Harder is doing this on purpose, right? Because he's he's playing with your pre- preconceived notions. He's setting a stage that you you know are familiar with because his point is different than it might be in another situation. Because he, uh, not unlike Antebellum, he is creating comparison between something you're familiar with and sort of what's happening in in the modern American nightmare and how it just spirals. We never really get past Mm -hmm. it. It just covers its tracks and takes on a different face, but it's still the same underlying scapegoating
0: and fear and violence. In a way, that's similar to what I think they were trying to get across in The Secrets We Keep. Not in a horror genre, but in the same type of, of, of theme, one of the themes they were going for. But this one is new on Shudder. And as we've been saying, Shudder's been stepping up their game oh, here yes. lately. Yeah. They've had some, some, some originals really worth checking out. And this is one. It's uh, on the channel now, Spiral. <laughs> Next is a comedy about despair and what to do with it. It's called I've Got Issues.
1: Humans. They struggle. Every day, they struggle. Why? Breaking news, another thing just happened. We told you it was coming, and now it's actually here. We told you, and you did not listen. And now it's officially too late.
0: I'm intrigued.
3: That doesn't sound like a comedy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and for some people, including me, it's not. <laughs> this really, it, it's going to appeal to people with a very specific sense of humor. I mean, the lowest of keys in the shaggiest of dogs, and meaning the old shaggy dog story where you have this this build-up to this payoff. And you're like, oh, that that's the payoff? <laughs> I didn't laugh. It's about 20 or so vignettes. About people struggling, and the despair, and how do they keep going on. And it just keeps going in this vein, and the the uh, rotating cast of characters, including Macon Blair. Right. Uh, and it's got some uh, narration. Not all of this, the vignettes are narrated, but some are by uh, Jim, Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan, yeah. Writer-director Steve Collins. It's going to work for some people. It did not work for me. This is, a, again, a, a, a type of humor that just left me entirely cold. Right. But... If you love it, God bless you. And that's I've Got Issues. (sniffs) Got a comedy next. Surviving Graduation is just the first challenge for Bray, Oliver, and Stacy, three friends determined to make it to the Summerland Music Festival. No matter what it takes, it's called Summerland.
3: Summerland, I just heard you're going. Why are you going? Oliver said that you're meeting a guy there.
1: Yeah, it's that guy. Isn't it?
3: That's so cool. So you two met online, right?
1: Yeah, on a a dating website. Why a Christian dating website? It started as a joke at first, and then Sean messaged me. He's different, you know? He likes me for who I am. Except the part where he thinks you have a vagina. So what girl are you using? Oliver's girlfriend.
3: You are such an idiot. I know. (laughs) You're in so deep. You, pretending to be Stacy. Stacy going to the festival. Sean looking for Stacy at the festival. it. Yeah, you could say that. This is one that Rachel Willis reviewed for us, and let me tell you why. Because earlier this year, Rachel Willis reviewed the other release this year <laughs> called *Summerland*. <laughs> Summerland yeah. And I thought that would be funny just to make her do two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is another bargain, bargain rental, bargain watch on uh, VOD out this weekend and it's directed by someone who goes by the name of Lanky Boy
3: which is actually a couple of different people right. working together yep. and one of the problems with the movie is that it isn't about going to a concert at all it's about sort of a catfishing scheme to you know strike up a relationship with somebody pretending you are somebody else and that's a creepy premise for a movie that is trying to be lighthearted and comedic, and I don't think the movie ever overcomes that. I mean, it certainly doesn't have enough else going for it to make you look away from that flawed premise.
0: Right, and Rachel certainly didn't think so, and you can catch her entire written review at madwolf.com. Next is a gripping story of a young filmmaker returning home after many years away to write a script... About his childhood, only to find his neighborhood unrecognizable and his childhood friends being scattered to the wind. Residue.
1: These white folks gonna paint over the city like we never existed. Paint right over us. I'm trying to tell the story for you. I'm trying to tell the story for Dion, for Demetrius. You ain't that important. You ain't saving nobody. You damn sure ain't saving me. Don't forget you left us. Where was you at? You wasn't here. <laughs> We's all Cali living in life. Are we in the city trying to survive? What do you care about
0: yourself. Hey, is this your truck? Yeah. Turn the music down. The music's too loud. Don't make me have to call the cops. This is from writer-director Mirawi Jirama Jerima," And apologies if I mispronounced that. And this was reviewed by Matt Weiner, and he calls it hands down one of the best, most powerful movies. This year. Right. He gave
3: it four and a half stars out of five. And I think that might be the highest rating he's ever given anything. And in the email when he sent us, he said it gutted him. So be prepared for that, but also watch it. It is a brilliant look at gentrification, at, you know, and a lot of actually a lot of the same themes that we've talked about across this entire podcast but done in the most nuanced, most heartbreaking, and, and most excellent way. And
0: also reminded me a little bit the setup of The Last Black Man in San Francisco. <gasps> Which is such a great was movie. so good. So, uh, yeah, check out the written review for all the reasons to see this movie. You can find the review, Matt's review, at madwolf.com. And seek out residue that is on streaming this weekend. Well, let's lighten the mood. Next up is a story of a 12-year-old girl with boundless optimism and a unique view of the world. She's inspired by a strange new boy at school and sets out to mend her broken family whatever it takes. This is H is for Happiness.
1: This
3: is Dr. Spitz. Can you keep a secret? No. I'm
1: from another dimension. How? It involves invoking gravity, of course. How? I jumped out of a tree. High tech. If you can figure out a way to return to another dimension, surely I can save my family. Happiness takes time. But that doesn't mean I can't keep trying to plant the seed. <laughs>
3: this is one that was reviewed for us online by Kat McAlpine. Who loved it. <laughs> it's just a pick-me-up when you need one. It's a, it's a very upbeat film, but it's not schmaltzy. It's not saccharine. It's genuine. It's got, you know, there are some um, underlying currents as this little girl is looking at her family and wondering what's wrong with her family. But it's her... Personality, it's her point of view that is so uplifting, and, and then this relationship she's, she develops with another little boy, the new kid in her classroom. It's a wonderful movie, really well done, and it will make you happy.
0: Yeah, Lisa Hopp is the writer, John Sheedy the director, and this is another bargain rental on VOD this weekend. And yeah, if you need something, and who doesn't, we've said it for a few, oh, yeah. a few months now, every now and then, boy... You need a little pick-me-up, and this will give it to you. H for happiness and the written review by Kat McAlpine at MadWolf.com. Next is the story of a terminally ill mother arranging to bring her family together one last time before she dies. It's a remake of a Danish film called Silent Heart. This is Blackbird.
3: Anna, Chris, you
2: up yet? I'm dead soon. You coming down? That should do
1: it. <laughs> She's fragile, isn't she?
2: Give mom this one weekend without having the whole world revolve around you, Anna. Can you quit being a bitch? stupid. I'm gonna call 911 and report a suicide attempt. Are you sure? Because she says sh- she's ready. She's ready, but I'm not. Now's the time to do it while she's still in charge of what happens to her. Aren't you afraid? You know, once we set a
1: date, I stopped worrying about dying, and I could focus more on living. You're going to give me some life advice? The trick is you just show up, and you give life your best shot. Two
3: wonderful life. Darren Tilby reviewed this one for us, and we said something earlier about a cast. There is no cast. That, I mean, this Ooh. cast is crazy. It's Kate Winslet and Susan Sarandon and Mia Wasikowski Sam and Neal. Sam Neal. Rainn
0: Wilson. Oh, yeah, Lindsay Duncan. Lindsay Duncan. We we'll always Duncan. want to see Lindsay Duncan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dolphin Blue. Fantastic cast.
3: Oh, it's, yeah, it's a spectacular. And the thing is that the the concept is, you know, it's been done. It, it really has been done. Uh, but it is done well here. And mainly the reason to see it is because even sort of the threadbare elements are so uplifted by this unbelievable cast, particularly Sam Neill. Sam Neill, his performance is just just perfect. One of his all-time
0: best. Yeah, and it's a writer Christian Torp, and Roger Mitchell is the director. And if it sounds like a tearjerker, you're right, but there's also good tears, hopeful tears, and loving tears in this movie. And this one is out in theaters this weekend, and you can find the written review from Darren Tilby at MadWolf.com. <laughs> Moving on to a thriller, Margaret finds herself in the glittering labyrinth of Tokyo by night and as a respected English teacher by day. This is lost girls and love hotels. We
2: are torn apart by events. I like to be submissive. Do you know what that means? (sighs) Put back together differently by others.
0: Why Japan? Sometimes being
2: alone isn't about other people. Alone is about people. Be careful, huh? How do you know that I'm not Batman? I don't. there is no happy ending. All the pieces do not fit together perfectly. But somehow everything is beautiful
3: another big recommendation this week. Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us. And Alexandra Daddario uh-huh. stars. And I've seen her be good in things. I've seen her be weak in things. This is her best performance. She's absolutely remarkable as a woman just spiraling out of control.
0: Yeah. And it's based on a book by Catherine Hanrahan. And she actually adapts right. her own book mm-hmm. and writes the screenplay here. And the director is William Olson. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely one. I'm with you on Alexandra Daddario. And and sometimes when you look like she does, that can work against sure, but they really do a, a good job here of making her just grimy and so rock bottom right and, and she looks the part yeah and yeah comes through with probably her best performance so far certainly I think so. certainly lead performance yes, absolutely and you can find Brandon Thomas's uh, very positive review for this one as well at madwolf.com it's lost girls and love hotels. Next up is the one you've no doubt heard about and the calls for boycotting Netflix. It's the story of Amy, an 11-year-old Muslim girl of African descent living in France who joins a group of dancers named The Cuties at school and rapidly grows aware of her burgeoning femininity, upsetting her mother and her values in the process. It's Cuties.
1: Give it up, give
0: it
2: up.
0: Yeah, even though this has been out for at least a week or so on Netflix, because of all the brouhaha, I thought it would be remiss if we didn't talk about it a little bit. So I wanted to bring in another member of the Columbus Film Critics Association, Melissa Starker, because Hope didn't get a chance to see this movie. And I thought it was good to have another perspective. And also because, Melissa, I've seen what you've written about this movie on social media, and I think it's very insightful, very good. I agree with it 100%. I wasn't surprised that I was totally just blown away by the ridiculousness of this outrage, and I get the feeling that you were as well.
2: Yeah, and I I think we should just, you know, for the record, say that, um, of course, pedophilia is wrong, and uh, people who commit it should be uh, brought to justice. It's a horrible thing and definitely a concern. That said, I think uh, looking at this film and... Seeing that um, really misses the context of the film as a whole and what the filmmaker was trying to say with it.
0: Exactly. Uh, And and some of the things that I've seen and read is, some of it smacks that it's being misunderstood, and other times I, f- I feel that people are willfully misrepresenting it.
2: Yeah, I, I would say so. I can say personally uh, most of the comments that I have seen on social media in relation to this film are pe- from people who have not watched this film. They've admitted that they basically fast-forwarded to the dance scenes, which are the controversial part of this film. Right. And I feel like that's that's a lot like, you know, Picking up Lady Chatterley's Lover and looking for the sex scenes and thinking that you have a sense of that book Sure. on that. Yeah,
0: exactly right. Now, I will say, I think at least the first poster that they had for it was pretty tone deaf. The poster was, was bad and didn't represent the movie at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, though, I thought it was twofold. I thought it was a great look at these these young girls trying to grapple with this very tough time in their life and, and find the line of what is acceptable and what is not and the pressures. But then you add in the the culture that the main girl comes from and you've got a completely different layer that I thought they both worked beautifully.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think another part that's especially interesting and also kind of heartbreaking in regards to the controversy surrounding this film is that This film raises so many questions and so many issues that are really essential in terms of talking to girls about what's going on with their bodies, how they are perceived in society, how society values women. And these are, you know, very big topics and very difficult topics. And so I I think that it's easier to just point and say, oh, this is bad, this is wrong, than to really address them. And I mean, ultimately, what this film is doing is showing us what girls see in terms of what how women are valued in this society. And so that is honestly far more offensive to me than what anything that's happening in the film.
0: That's exactly right. Spot on. And, and I think, well, the biggest thing we addressed in the beginning here, first of all, see the movie. Don't just fast forward to any part you've heard about. See the movie before you can have an, an actual intelligent conversation about it. Absolutely. I appreciate your insight so much, Melissa Starker, another member of the Columbus Film Critics Association. Thanks for stopping by.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Cuties is really an impressive film from writer director Mamona Ducare, and I hope I pronounced that right. And it's available now on Netflix. All right, let's go to the lobby and get some knowledge.
1: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the
0: lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. We're back in the lobby with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. The Schlocketeer, all the latest movie news and reschedulings. And I guess this week we've got a couple of subtractions and a couple of additions.
1: Uh, yes, we do. On the subtraction end, uh, the Gerard Butler movie Greenland was supposed to come out on September 25th. They have pulled it from its release date. They haven't said a new one yet, but they're still saying it'll come out later this year. So we'll see what happens with that. And then in the past week, the Universal also pulled the... Uh, the new Candyman movie from Uh, its release in October. I'm so sad about (laughs) that. In the meantime,
0: meantime, we'll just watch that awesome trailer again. I know. With the cutouts. Oh, so great.
1: Love it. Sounds good to me. But yeah, they moved it to 2021. I do not believe they've set a specific release date for Mm. it yet. But on the addition front, you know, we lost Candyman as our big horror movie for October, but for now we have Christopher Landon's Freaky set for November 13th. That looks fun. It
0: does. I'm excited about that.
1: Vince Vaughn's serial killer swapping bodies with a teenage girl should be pretty entertaining.
0: That's gold, Jerry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then Universal has also set their uh, sequel to the animated caveman movie The Croods for November 25th. I'm assuming both of those will be playing the theatrical and drive-in circuits, Mm -hmm. at least for a while, before they go to VOD. Right. And who loves streaming services? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, and <I know>, everybody. and <laughs> I know you guys have been covering a lot of titles from them of late because you know we haven't been getting as much in theaters. Yeah. But uh, CBS All Access, which was CBS's TV streaming service, um, since Viacom and CBS remerged together a while back, CBS All Access is being rebranded as Paramount Plus. Not a very original title there. Um, <laughs> next year. And they'll be adding the Paramount back catalog to it, as well as loads of more uh, TV content from the various services that they own already. Wow. Yeah, I, I believe that leaves Sony and Lionsgate as the only only uh, bigger studios that won't have their
0: own streaming service once that happens. <laughs> well, the clock is ticking, I suppose, on them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, we appreciate it. You can find Daniel at The Schlocketeer. Um, always appreciate the latest news. All right, thanks for having me again. Well, busy week this week. What are we looking at next week? Doesn't look like as many.
3: Well, at least for now. I mean, it's constantly (laughs) shifting stands, but we do have... Have we
0: checked our email box in the last five minutes? Oh, my goodness. But
3: Kajillionaire, I'm excited about. It's Miranda July's latest movie. Ava, which is a spy thriller with Jessica Chastain, who I love, as do you.
0: Enola Holmes.
3: So LX, 2048.
0: Resistorhood and The Swerve. Yeah. Okay. And maybe... Maybe more as they as they pop up. We'll see about that. In the meantime, uh, let us know what you think about any of the many releases this week. Boy, there's a lot. Pretty much something for everybody. Yeah, I think you like horror. You got that covered. We got uh, even a comedy thrown in there, some thrillers. So, what do you think? Let us know. Keep the conversation going. Easy to find us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And as we've mentioned, the place to get all of our written reviews and our other podcast that focuses only on horror movies called Fright Club. You can find all that at MadWolf.com. We always appreciate you being a part of the Screening Room.
3: If you would just do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review,
0: we would appreciate it. Yeah, we would. Thank you to Daniel Baldwin. Thank you to Melissa Starker for joining in as well. And uh, until next time, she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya.
1: I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.
0: Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.